I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we'll honor two classic films and barf on two stinkers. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, it's been 30 years of yippee-ki-yay and 10 years of why so serious. And also this week on home video, nothing could possibly go wrong. I mean, possibly go wrong. We'll explain what that means. First, it's the news from the couch. Man came by to hook up my cable TV. We settled in for the night, my baby and me. We switched round and round till half past dawn. There was 57 channels and nothing on. That's his best Couch Potatoes song. Bruce is coming to Netflix this fall. If you didn't know, Bruce Springsteen has been doing a one-man show on Broadway since last October. It's just him, an acoustic guitar, and a piano. He runs through a bunch of hits and a few deep cuts from his 40-plus years of music, telling stories along the way. Now, his catalog is mostly songs about tough times in America, so he sort of picked the right time for his show on Broadway. I've seen things on American streets over the past year that I thought had long been resigned to other uglier times, things I never thought I'd see again. He's been on Broadway for months. The show sells out every night. You can maybe get a same-day ticket for several hundred dollars, which is a terrible thing to book a vacation around. But this fall, as his run wraps up, it'll be shown on Netflix. They filmed it this week, and it drops on Netflix the same day as his last Broadway show, December 15th. says here, you were a lawyer. What changed? AMC has released the first full trailer for season four of Better Call Saul. How'd the job search go? Pretty good. Got a few leads. In this place, they're not exactly what you call security conscious. And that's where you come in. It's been over a year since season three ended. June 19th, 2017 was when the 10th episode of season three aired. Season 3 ended in tragedy, and as indicated in the clips, Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman, needs to take time off from being a lawyer, and it sounds like he's up to some shady stuff with grumpy, growly Mike. Speaking of shady, don't forget that Gus Fring, a major bad guy in the original series Breaking Bad, made his return in Season 3, and he's back for Season 4. If our arrangement is to continue, there's a matter we need to discuss. Do you really want to do this? You have Gus Fring's respect. I'd want to keep that if I were you. The guy's story changes every time he tells it. The tragedy at the end of season three catalyzes Jimmy's transformation into Saul Goodman. As Jimmy begins his trip into the criminal underworld, it's a trip that will jeopardize his relationship with Kim, who, by the way, remains at odds with former sleazeball colleague Howard. Grumpy Mike also begins to take a bigger role in Gus's employ as a security consultant. Better Call Saul's first three seasons were nominated for Best Drama at the Emmys. It's not nominated this year because, as we discussed last week on The Couch Potatoes, the show hasn't been on for a year. Count on its return to the Emmys next year, though, because Better Call Saul Season 4 debuts on AMC on August 6th, which means you've got time to catch up. All three seasons are on Netflix. Strictly gainful employment, and in 10 months, poof, I'm a lawyer again. Why don't you stop running the game on me and just tell me about the job? Step into my office. Fair? Let's talk about fair. I decide what he deserves. 
stubbornness and persuasiveness are two of my top qualities. So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. Please allow me to introduce myself. Hulu continues to crank up its output of new original shows. It hit a home run with The Handmaid's Tale and has high hopes for the Stephen King-inspired Castle Rock, which comes out next week in Canada. It's on space. Now Hulu is taking Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles book series and driving a stake through it in the hopes of turning it into a TV series. One of the books, Interview with the Vampire, was made into a movie in the mid-90s with a horribly miscast Tom Cruise. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. Movie also star Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, and Christian Slater. That's a lot of hunky dudes in one movie. Kirsten Dunst was in it too. She actually steals a movie and was like 10 years old at the time. The books, there are 11 of them. Follow Lestat, which is who Cruz plays in the movie. Right there, the show has an advantage because there's no baggage of how will they cast Lestat better than Tom Cruise? Because while he is awesome in a lot of movies, he sort of stuck out like a sore thumb in this one. No word on when the show may be ready. It's in the very early stages, however. And Rice is apparently releasing another book in the series later this year. You're a vampire. You never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. I can't stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? God kills indiscriminately. And so shall we. And that boy would be Robin! Here's a trailer from this weekend's San Diego Comic-Con. We're just going to scratch the surface on that this week. Next week, we can try to dive further into all the goodies that come out of Comic-Con. But this one, this one caught me by surprise. It's the first trailer for the DC entertainment show Titans, typically known as the Teen Titans. There's something evil inside of me. They're scared. I get it, but you can control it. You don't know what I've become. Sometimes, when I feel the darkness, it feels good. Yeah, I like the darkness too. This is definitely not for kids. The trailer even comes with a rating that reads, The following trailer is rated TVMA. And it goes on to talk about explicit language, adult themes, violence, etc. Here's some of that violence and explicit language coming from Robin. Where's Batman? Other DC heroes in the show are Raven, Starfire, Hawk, and Dove, and Robin will emerge from the shadows to become their leader. Titans will premiere on the DC Universe streaming service, like we don't have enough of those already, when it launches later this year. My mom says there's no such thing as monsters. I used to think that. I was wrong. 
more news from the couch coming up in a moment, including a first female doctor. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, continuing now with more news from The Couch. All of this is new to me. Here's something new, something else that came out of Comic-Con in San Diego. It's the first teaser for Series 11 of Doctor Who. New faces. New worlds. New times. So if I asked really, really nicely, would you be my new best friends? The BBC show features the first woman to play the Doctor. The Doctor, by the way, is an alien from a race called the Time Lords. The woman playing the Doctor is Jodie Whittaker, who was excellent as a grieving mother in the British series Broadchurch, which I strongly recommend, at the very least, the first season. It's one of the best seasons of television I have ever watched, and it's available on Netflix. Also, I must confess, I've never watched Doctor Who. But you can't argue with the success of a show that's been around since 1963 in various forms with 840 episodes under its belt. Series 11 of Doctor Who will debut this fall. In Canada, it will air on space. Right. This is going to be fun. Makes me smile. The way every year we drink to the future, whatever it may bring. Well, what else could we drink to? We're going forward to the future, not back into the past. If only we had the choice. Three years after going off the air, Downton Abbey is coming back as a movie. Focus Features will begin production shortly on a Downton film that will reunite the Crawley family on the big screen. Series creator Julian Fellows wrote it and will produce it. The long-rumored film adaptation will likely be released sometime next year. All the big cast members are set to return as well. Over six seasons, Downton became a global hit. It aired in over 150 countries. It set a record as well for non-U.S. shows with 69 Emmy nominations. And now with this movie, it's doing the one thing the show community and its fans wanted more than anything. The show's gonna last three weeks! Six seasons and a movie! My brother can't ask you to do this unless I know you really want it. The club, the life, all of it, all in. A new prospect. Easy. Guess it up and detail it. I don't want to see a speck of dust, huh? Yes, sir. Here's another one from Comic-Con, the first trailer from the FX spin-off of the motorcycle gang show Sons of Anarchy. It's called Mayans MC. I like the kid. He's smart. Let's get to work. Where they been hiding you? Stuck in state prison. Sons of Anarchy was a highly acclaimed series. The biker gang show ran for seven years on FX. The Mayans were recurring and pivotal players on that series. Now they're getting their own show set on the California-Mexico border. It centers around a young man named Easy Reyes, fresh out of jail as he becomes an outlaw in the town where he once had the American dream within his grasp. The 10-episode first season debuts on FX Tuesday, September 4th. It's hard, Pop. My son. It's gonna twist you up, make you doubt everything that you trust. You're in this now, son. No getting out.
partaking Boy Scout. Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. A new screenplay has been discovered, written by the late great Stanley Kubrick. He wrote it at the beginning of his career in 1956. It's based on the novella Burning Secret by an Austrian, an Austrian writer named Stefan Zweig. He wrote it with a novelist and screenwriter Calder Willingham. The two of them went on the following year to make Paths of Glory and not Burning Secret. And then Kubrick was off to the races. He had a lot of masterpieces over the years, including 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as Dr. Strangelove. I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million kill tops, uh, depending on the brakes. And The Shining. Here's Johnny. And a raft of others. Vanity Fair says a film professor in Wales discovered the screenplay. It's over 100 pages and is said to be almost complete. It's about a baron who befriends a 12-year-old boy in the hopes of seducing his married mother. And there's some thought that it may have been too racy, and that's why it wasn't made at the time in the 50s. The question now is, though, is it any good? And if so, will anyone want to make it? Spielberg made AI, Artificial Intelligence, after Kubrick died, a movie which Kubrick had for many years intended to make once the technology would allow him. And Christopher for Nolan recently remastered 2001 and is behind the upcoming 50th anniversary Blu-ray, so there are a couple of big-name directors who might be interested in anything Kubrick. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Also, just as a weird bit of randomness. Sure. Your Vampire Chronicles story had a version of Painted Black, which was not by the Rolling Stones. No, no. Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, that was Sympathy for the Devil. Which Pardon is me. a Stone song, which is... Pardon me. The GNR version was in the the movie. Okay. And it's basically the last thing that GNR did before Slash and Duff took off. So. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Sympathy for... I, I mixed them up. Uh, me too. Because I actually don't like either of those songs. So <laughs> I tend to just blend them together. And I had this uh, the Spanish version of pa- uh, Paint of Black that was featured in the trailer for I heard that too. My Ends MC. And I spent five seconds in my head. is like, is that Sympathy for the Devil? I was like, oh no, it's Paint of Black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, for helping me wade through those Rolling, <laughs> and Rolling Stones fans. Probably hate me right now. Let's have a quick peek at what's yeah. coming to home video this week. This is the Oasis, a whole virtual universe. A contest changed everything. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis, which means complete control of the future. What do you do if you won? You have to excuse him. He gets a little nervous around pretty girls. Ready Player One. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. That's coming to Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand. Our friends at Warner Brothers sent us a copy of the Blu-ray. So I think I'm actually going to watch that because even though I didn't love this movie, there's just so much to see. That's true. And I feel like this is a movie that could be enjoyed upon a second viewing just because... 
it would it might be like watching it for the first time with all the stuff that you missed yeah. the first time around. I I sort of enjoyed the experience of watching it. I just I didn't think it was a, actually a very good movie either. But it, it was okay. But it, I just, I wasn't like sitting there mad the whole time or whatever. It's just when it says Spielberg uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, you expect a lot. Yeah, you expect greatness. Yeah, and uh, it had some great things, some great elements, but it was not. Uh, great film we mentioned in the beginning nothing could possibly go wrong what's that Westworld season two, the HBO uh, hit show. It's coming out on Digital HD on not on Tuesday. Usually, this stuff's on Tuesday. It's coming out on Monday, on the twenty third. How how bizarre! Also, uh, Tuesday, July twenty twenty fourth. Pardon me. Breaking in a film starring Gabrielle Union, where uh, bad guys break into the house and then lock her out. They arm the security system, so she has to break in to save her kids. Pretty cool. Because she's an angry mom. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop her. Up next, we are going to celebrate a couple of milestones, and then we'll tell you about a couple of stinky movies I watched recently. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett, taking a look at a couple of milestone anniversaries for a pair of our favorite movies, and we're going to start with this one. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not. Where is he? People are dying. Gotham needs you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. A little fight in you. I like that. Then you're gonna love me. Ten years ago this week, July 18th, 2008, The Dark Knight was released in theaters. It's the second Batman film from director Christopher Nolan, preceded by Batman Begins and followed by The Dark Knight Rises. And for my money, still the best superhero movie of all time. It's just playing one of my favorite movies of all time as well. It made over a billion dollars when all was said and done. A bigger deal ten years ago than it is today. More amazingly, it won an Oscar and not just a technical prize for sound design or something. Heath Ledger won Best Support actor for his role as the Joker and the Joker is what makes this movie what it is. I don't think anyone would argue he's the greatest superhero movie villain villain of all time. Jack Nicholson did a great job with it in the 80s in Tim Burton's Batman. Heath Ledger though took it to another insane level. Still a stunning performance all these years later. The cynics will say he got the Oscar because he died before the movie came out. I wouldn't. I would say though that probably if not for Brokeback Mountain he probably wouldn't have won the Oscar. The Academy such as it was at the time more stilted and stodgy was not about to give one of their precious Oscars to some guy in clown makeup, not if that was all he was known for to them, even if he was a very good clown, but because Ledger had already been nominated and robbed of an Oscar for his subtle heartbreaking performance in Brokeback, I think they were much more at ease with voting for the Joker. It's an entertaining movie, even though there's way too much plot and a couple of things, like the ending with the fairies, that feel too much like a first draft. They should have taken half a day to come up with a better plot finale. By and large, though, it's just cool. It gets by on its vi- on the vibe it creates, and any scene with the Joker is electric in a way that no other movies are. Uh, enough to carry this thing into masterpiece territory, as far as I'm concerned. How many times did you see that in the theater? Five Timers Club. Five. <laughs> the Five Timers Club. And it was, a, I don't know, I think three of them was just, i got to go see this. And a couple of like telling my buddies, hey, we're going to see this. you got to see it, blah, blah, blah. And then I also, it, you know how the DVDs come out on the Tuesday? Yeah. I was on an airplane on a Sunday. 
Okay. And I paid seven bucks to watch it on a three-inch screen, knowing I would be buying it on DVD two days later, which I did. And now, since that was DVD, and then a few years ago, I got the whole trilogy on a nice Blu-ray package. There is a, a wrestler named Booker T., and he was the five-time WCW champion. <laughs> so that was his thing. He would say, five-time, five-time, five-time. I'm just looking. Oh, here, hang on a second. I think I found the clip. Listen up, man. The fact of the matter is this. On the five-time, 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 <laughs> five-time, five-time WCW champion. <laughs> yeah, In your works. case, you're the five-time <laughs> Dark Knight viewer. That's very impressive and dedication to go see a movie five oh, times. Just love it. Where, where does a Dark Knight uh, stand for you? Oh, in terms of ranking, I don't know. I didn't. I don't. In hindsight, I don't love that movie as much as you do, and I think it's because of the the stuff that you talked about where they there's way too much plot. Yeah, yeah. Like there's that whole sort of side trip to Hong Kong. They could have wiped that out completely. Yeah. There's the other thing with the um, employee of Wayne Enterprises that tries to blackmail uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. They could wipe that out too. Yeah, there is because it's it's two and a half hours. I think it's just a bit too much. Yeah. And but it is, I mean Heath Ledger I remember when they first cast Heath Ledger, and I thought, "Everyone, are you serious?" Yep. And then I, he's gonna ruin the movie. You remember when the first teaser came out? It was just the Batman graphic just with that voices. weird, like, blue flame behind it, and yeah. just voices. And when we heard Heath Ledger's voice, I thought, "Wow, that just sent chills down my did spine." Did he even say anything of that, or did he just laugh? I think he said um, it was something like, uh, "Oh shoot." He laughed, but the, he did say something. All right. Let's put a smile on his face or why so serious or something. I don't know. I think it... Oh, now i got to pull that up here. <laughs> uh, just bear with me for a second because that will drive me crazy. The Dark Knight <clears throat> teaser. Here we go. Oh, that's an ad. <sighs> that's an ad for MI6... In five seconds, we'll get to the yeah. <laughs> teaser. <laughs> okay, let's get to the end here. We'll die. Oh, yeah. Starting tonight... People will die. I'm the man of my word. <laughs> yeah. That sends... It's still goosebumps. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I can't do this Michael Caine accent, but... Yeah, that wasn't very good. <laughs> but but I applaud you for trying. Yeah, okay, so Dark Knight. What's yep. the next one? Uh, 30 years before this week, a little something called Die Hard. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Yep, 30 years ago this past week, Die Hard hit theaters and changed action movies forever. Before Die Hard, they were basically Stallone or Schwarzenegger single-handedly mowing down whole armies without getting a scratch. Die Hard changed the formula, making the hero more of an everyman and adding a lot of scratches. Few heroes get beat up as much as John McClane. A top five favorite of all time for me. We go on about it every Christmas. Although this week, Bruce Willis told everyone at his Comedy Central roast that it wasn't a Christmas movie, but... Yeah, Bruce Willis doesn't really get to decide that, so it's a great movie at any time of year. Alan Rickman is a bad guy, just terrific. He's the smartest guy in the movie. The cops are the dummies, besides Bruce and Reginald Bell Johnson, of course. William Atherton is a TV reporter, continuing his 80s run of being the jerkiest jerk in any
any movie he's in. Although I think the guy he played in Ghostbusters was even worse. Die Hard also, of course, spawned a bunch of sequels. Number two is pretty good. Three is great. Four also great, but too expansive. And five is just not good. I tried to convince myself it was at the time, but it's not. I've had the Blu-ray of A Good Day to Die Hard for five years and have not yet watched it. Still in the plastic. Okay. Uh, as for Die Hard 6, a.k.a. maybe Die Hard Year One, the newest thing I could find on the internet about that today is that the studio hired two guys to rewrite their script this past March, so could be a while yet before we see that one if it happens. You took some heat on Twitter for uh, forgetting about this, hey? Because the, yeah. the anniversary was last week. I took some flack, too. I think it was the well, same your guy. Buddy, your buddy put it on there, and I was like, oh, no, we missed it. Yeah. He's like, do it next week. I was like, all right. And I remember he <laughs> he mentioned it to me like a month ago, saying, oh, really? hey, you guys got to talk about this on your show. And then he texted me and said, you didn't talk about Die Hard? Because it's his favorite, favorite movie. Ever. And I, my reaction simply was, you listen to the show? <laughs> Because he never listens to the show. That's awesome. Um, but he listened this time, and he was upset we didn't talk about Die Hard. Yeah, it's the classic movie. Every year it's the same debate as Die Hard, a Christmas movie. I still think it's probably the greatest action movie there is. Yep. And uh, Alan Rickman, for my money, he's, uh, as far as superhero and villains go, you're right, Heath Ledger, absolutely the bi- the best villain for ever. superheroes, yeah. But I think Alan Rickman might be my favorite villain ever, excluding... Darth Vader. I was just going to say. Yeah, hard, hard to top Darth Vader, yeah. but as far as just like kind of run-of-the-mill bad guys, Alan Rickman is not a run-of-the-mill bad guy. He's got so much charisma. He just elevated what could have been uh, a, a cookie-cutter role, yeah. and he made it so Which memorable. Is what it seems like at the beginning, it's like, oh, they're just a bunch of terrorists taking over, and it's like, nope, they're just... They are common thieves. Uh, there's nothing common about me. I'm an exceptional thief or whatever. So. Yeah, that's right. So I like uh, the twist in his plan. It just makes you like him more as a bad guy. Yeah. 30 years for Die Hard. Wow. That's amazing. Huh? I can't even believe 10 years for The Dark Knight. I still remember when that movie surpassed $500 million at the box office and everyone went insane. That was at the domestic box office, right. not the worldwide. I think The Dark Knight is still is the most anticipated movie of my lifetime for me. Okay. Like, I've never been that just jacked to go see a movie. And you know when you get like that, how it almost never, like, lives up to the hype? And this one actually did. And I just, yeah, that's that's why I went to see it five times. Well, up next, I'll tell you about two movies that you definitely should not see five times. You shouldn't even see them one time. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And in recent weeks, I watched a couple of terrible movies. Uh Uh-oh. And I'm somewhat ashamed of this first one. Do you ever do this where you watch a movie even though you know it's going to be bad? Yep, just for the sake of uh, finishing off a series or just something to... You you like the symmetry in your life, right? So it's like, we've got to get through this. Yeah, I knew I had to watch it eventually, (laughs) even though I knew it would be awful. It has been said... Through the ages... Without sacrifice, there can be no victory. No sacrifice, no victory. That used to be the old Witwicky family motto from the first three Transformers movies. That's right, it's a Transformers movie. And guess what? That clip of Anthony Hopkins' voice is from the fifth movie about the robots in disguise, Transformers The Last Night. Two species at war. One flesh, one metal, 
debuted June 21st, 2017. I watched it recently on Netflix, and I just remembered why I suddenly felt the urge to watch it. It's because I had just finished watching season two of Westworld, and I had Anthony Hopkins on the brain. Oh. And then I remembered that he was in The Last Night, and suddenly I felt like I had to just... I wanted to see more Anthony Hopkins, and I needed to, to complete the series, even though I knew it would suck. I'm still blown away that he's in this movie. Oh, I he, feel like if I have enough money, I could get him to like read a play that I wrote on screen. Maybe he's got grandkids or something and thought it would yeah, could be, be cool or whatever. Or he probably just needed a paycheck, you know? This way he can go off and do all the real actor stuff he probably likes to do. There's no point even in explaining what this stupid movie's about, because the plot <laughs> is ridiculous. Optimus Prime has left us. Oh yeah, that's right. Optimus Prime left Earth at the end of the last movie, Age of Extinction, I think, searching for new allies. He ends up back on Cybertron in this one for a little while, and what happens there is idiotic. Also, the backstory in this one is there were Transformers who were buddies with King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, or whatever. Also in the trailer, <laughs> there's a shot of our moon with something larger than the moon approaching it and appearing to open up, so I thought maybe this was the emergence of the planet-eating Unicron from the 1986 Transformers the Movie. You underestimate me, Galvatron. For a time, you considered sparing your wretched little planet, Cybertron. But now, you shall witness it's dismemberment. No, as it turns out, it's Cybertron. That's right, Optimus Prime brought Cybertron to Earth, but Unicron is is referred to oh. in the movie, and it looks like we'll see Unicron in the sixth movie in some capacity. Wow. Mark Wahlberg is back from the fourth movie. Josh Duhamel, back from the first three movies. I guess he needed a paycheck, too. Two worlds colliding. The operation is over. We're not giving up, okay? Only one survives. And Optimus Prime does make his return to Earth, but not in a good way. He's under someone's control, and he looks like he's ready to kill Bumblebee and Marky Mark. And yes, Michael Bay is the director again, which means it sucks again. Forgive me. Sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. None of these Transformers movies are very well reviewed. The first one, the first one had the best reviews back in two thousand seven, and it was only at fifty-seven percent. The second one, Revenge of the Fallen, nineteen percent. That's when I jumped out. I was yeah. like, nope, that, that's a, one of the most garbage movies I've ever it seen. It was terrible. The third one, Dark of the Moon, slight improvement, thirty-five percent. The fourth one, Age of Extinction. 18% was easily the worst of the series for me, but no, it's been surpassed. <laughs> the Last Night is worse. It was also the worst box office performer by a mile. 130 million domestic. The first one made 319 million by comparison. Also the lowest worldwide total of the bunch at 605 million. Even the first one did better at 709 million. As for why it's bad, hang on a second, I, I took notes as the movie went along here, let me just grab my, my notepad here. I'll just read the notes and that'll sort of give you an insight as to why I think this movie sucks. Four minutes in, already too much stupid comedy. Stanley Tucci clearly needed a paycheck. I forgot Stanley Tucci was in it. Trans, uh, let's see, every Transformers movie, they have a new origin. 
This is stupid already. So Quintessa made the Transformers? What about the AllSpark? Oh, hey, a super hot student at Oxford. So uncharacteristic of Michael Bay to have gratuitous hot women in his movies. Oh, and she's an unnecessarily bad driver. Stupid. Oh, she isn't a student. She's a teacher, but he made her look like a student at first, so we would underestimate her. Um, let's see. Bumblebee still can't talk five movies in. That should have been fixed by the second movie. That's an annoying gimmick. All these Transformers are annoying. Nitro Zeus, Dreadbot, stupid names. Are those actual Transformers from uh, the 80s when we were kids, or are I, they just making new ones up? I don't remember okay. those those ones They're in particular. Ones uh, there's a C-3PO ripoff. There's uh, the plane from Captain America ripoff. And even the CGI at times is is quite poor. And there is just like uh, like wanton death of the Transformer Knights. Um, and just, there was so much visual effects, so much visual effects on the screen that I couldn't figure out what I was watching. Anyway, it was terrible. One couch cushion out of five. Zoics. Yeah. So a couple of weeks before yep. I watched Transformers, I watched another awful movie. Don't have a whole lot of time to get into it here. It de- debuted September 15th last year, a movie called Mother. It's spelled M-O-T-H-E-R all lowercase, exclamation mark. And it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, directed by Darren Aronofsky. It has 69% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I guess I'm in the minority here. It was interesting at first, great cast, lovely setting, big old house, but it took so long to get going. And then when it finally got going, it went completely insane. I had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that I was not watching a real story, but was instead watching some sort of artsy-fartsy mishmash of symbolism. The whole thing was clearly a metaphor, just a bunch of garbage for me. Uh, My girlfriend had a theory, spoiler alert for the next 10 seconds, that Jennifer Lawrence was Mother Nature and Javier Bardem was God, or something like that. It made sense. Normally I'd look it up and read up on it to try to decipher that, but I just simply don't care because I hated it so much. Also, (laughs) one couch cushion out of five. Why even one? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It just feels too mean to, feels like piling on. Well, because the acting was good. I I, I commend the acting and I commend the... The lights worked. (laughs) Yeah, the gaffer did a great job. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. 